We're in this breakthrough series, and I want to talk to you a little bit today about breakthroughs in the home. Not break-ins in the home. <laughs> Just to be clear. <laughs> I have a friend that's a police officer. And he said that break-ins in the home... There's something known as king's domain. Has anybody ever heard of that law? King's domain. And if you come into my house, I have the right to protect it. And uh, I want to talk to you for a little while about the fact that our homes need to be protected by God. Amen. There's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And I'm so grateful that I have a God who can keep and sustain me and restore me. But I'm also thankful that he keeps my family, he keeps my children, he keeps my home. And this is a little bit more of a message to some people and maybe not as much of a message to others that don't have home or children. But also I'm going to be hitting the fact that God is our helper. Amen. And that is applicable to everybody today. So. If you would go to me with me to the word of the Lord, we're going to go to 2 Samuel where we've been kind of parked for the last three weeks. This is our last sermon in this series. And everybody said amen. Sometimes series can run a little bit long. And if you're a long-winded preacher, you have a long-winded series and a long-winded preacher. Do you know how you know if you have a long-winded preacher? If he starts in Genesis, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> He's going to preach the whole Bible. <laughs> If he starts within the beginning, you're, you're in real trouble. 2 Samuel 5, verse 17 is where we're going to begin today. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David, and how many remember this verse from last week? They had anointed David king. Everybody say king anointing over Israel. All the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold or the place where they were going to fight. And Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Raphaim, the valley of many giants. And David acquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Everybody should ask the Lord to help them. Amen. Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal Perazim, where he named it Lord of the Breakthroughs. And David smote them there and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of the place Lord of the Breakthroughs. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and for this series. Thank you for how it's blessed our minds and hearts, how you've given us uplifting word through it and sowed seed into our heart that we know will bring a harvest in many days. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Anybody have a favorite cartoon when you were a kid? Anybody here? What's your, what's your favorite cartoon? Anybody? Bugs Bunny? What's it? Scooby-Doo. Anybody else have a favorite cartoon? I had a favorite. I love Spider-Man. I don't know why I love Spider-Man, but I love Spider-Man. And I also love the Transformers. Everybody know what Transformers are? <laughs> Everybody say, <"Koo> -koo -koo -koo. 
Can we say that? That's what Transformers did. They, they looked like a truck. They smelled like a truck. They drove like a truck, acted like a truck, until all of a sudden they were transformed into a battle robot. It was the awesomest thing ever, you know? I loved Optimus Prime, and so I would watch these. And, of course, I loved Spider-Man and, until, you know, Marvel was, you know, bought by Disney, and Disney's run by the devil. So, you know, <laughs> this is a joke, people. Lighten up. But what we do know is that they had powers and they had things that people couldn't see that could help them to win the victory. Spider-Man was always a little guy. You know, it was always someone that wasn't very big, wasn't very strong until he, whoosh, and then he was like, I'm, see ya, I'm out of here, you know? He, like, had these hidden powers. And Transformers, they are always, they just look like a vehicle until all of a sudden they're, they've got this sword and they're this big robot, and they're so much more powerful than just a car sitting there. And so I was looking at that scripture that we were talking about last week where it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? In other words, when you renew your mind, it gives you power in the Holy Ghost that people can't see when they look at your life all the time. They, They won't always see it. You just look like someone going about your day. But all of a sudden, something can happen, and you can transform into the spiritual strength of the Holy Ghost that's inside of you If something happens and you need to pray, all of a sudden, you're praying very powerful prayers. All of a sudden, you have that moment, and you're like, I I know what to do. I know it seems like it's hopeless for everybody else because they don't have the Holy Ghost living down inside of them, but there's something that sets off inside of you that transforms you and puts you in a position where I need to lay hands. I need to pray the prayer of faith. I need to go into the power of God because this is bigger than me, and I need some help from the Lord in this situation. Amen, somebody. So, Whenever you see David being anointed, all of a sudden his enemy shows up. We talked about that last week, about how they weren't all that interested until all of a sudden they found out he got anointed. And our enemies, how many have heard next level, next devil? How many heard that? For every new level, there's another devil. That's just a way of saying it's really churchy, but it's a way of saying that when you get to another level in life, whether it's life or spirituality, there's going to be something that fights against your progress in those next levels, okay? So don't think it's strange that whenever you get an advancement in your life, you're also going to have an advanced attack. In fact, a lot of times it's an indicator, not that you've done something wrong, but that God's doing something right in your life. A lot of times they have the level of the attack on your family and your home is saying something about the anointing that's being poured spiritually in your life. And others might look at it and go, why are they having all this trouble? Why are they having all these problems and they don't even know that you've just been transformed into a new level of anointing and you're about to step into it, amen? You have to know that the battle is not anything more than an indicator of the blessing coming your way. And then you get that mindset, it helps you to know that God will help me even in the battle. Because his anointing is what brought the blessings that encouraged the enemy to attack. So almost eight years, the Philistines leave them alone. And then when David gets anointed, they show up in the valley. And David prays, and God gives him a breakthrough. Amen? 
prayer leads to a breakthrough. I want you to know that the principle is a sound brings breakthrough. That's the principle of the word of God. And even in the next time when he beats them, but yet it sets established, an established breakthrough in David's life, that the next time the, the Philistines come to the same valley, same enemy, same valley, same battle before him, but he asks God again, how do I go about this? Don't ever assume you know everything, brothers and sisters. We should always humble ourselves and say, Lord, it looks the same, it talks the same, it it." It acts the same. It walks the same. But ask God again for a fresh strategy. We talked about that. Amen. Get through some review here. And God will give you a new strategy. And he said, make a compass. Go up around behind them this time. David, don't attack them straight on. Because that time, last time it worked that way. But this time, I'm going to put you behind mulberry trees. And if you know anything about mulberry trees, they're very close to the ground. And they're very spread out. So you could hide an army behind them pretty easy. In other words, David says, sneak around behind them. And I'm going to give you victory as you come up on them in an area that they don't expect. How many know that sometimes whenever you fight the enemy, when you're fighting Satan or ever, every, whatever force has come against you, that sometimes God gives you a strategy to sneak up on the enemy. Amen? He doesn't know it, but the devil thinks that if, we just, if he just attacks us the same way, we'll just do the same thing. But if you have a prayer life and you're seeking the Lord and you ask God for a strategy, every single time something comes against you, every single time a battle forms, every single time it seems like there's enemies all around you fighting against you, whether at work or in the home, if you go to God first and you make a sound, you pray, amen, you speak out a word, amen, you are actually setting the established pattern of God. In other words, you're making a sound for victory. You're praying for victory. You're asking God for victory. You're using your voice and praying for victory. And the reason for that is because God honors sound for victory. Look through all through the scripture, the times where they gathered and God said, shout. God said, Shabbat, amen. God said, go forth with a shout. And so you wonder sometimes why we get excited in service. We have songs and we get to praising and all of a sudden someone's going, hallelujah. You know, they're just excited. What are they doing? They're getting a victory for their family. They're getting a victory for their home. They're creating the design pattern of God. And, and it may not be the same strategy every time, but it is the same pattern every time. There's a sound that goes forth before there's a victory even when you get filled with the, oh I feel like preaching in here even when you get filled with the Holy Ghost there is a sound that comes forth that announces there's new victory in your life for you shall speak with tongues and you shall utter new things because the tongue that God has given you is an indicator that God has filled you with his spirit but not only that when you speak in other tongues you are declaring a sound of victory so that you are are able to conquer every sin in your life. The Holy Ghost is what empowers you to live right and to live holy. But it's a sound that must go forth. And I'm so grateful that I know that the wind of the Lord is present. Amen? Poured out in Acts chapter 2. We love Acts chapter 2. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then in Acts 2.38, they were asking, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift. Everybody say, it's a gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you shall speak in tongues 
and you shall know that God is with you. And so then that tongue comes. Sometimes we don't even know what we're praying, but the Spirit makes utterance for us. In other words, the Spirit is speaking to our victory. It's propelling us through that sound. And David is anointed king here. And, in, and what you may not know is there are several anointings that happened to David. His first anointing was prophetic. Amen? Everybody say prophetic. Not pathetic, but prophetic. Amen? He was... He was just keeping sheep in a field. That's all he was doing. And, and, and the prophet came to the house in Samuel. Um, and Sorry. The priest came to the house and he anointed. He was going to anoint all the boys, but he decided to anoint David and because the Lord had told him to do that. But we know it was a prophetic anointing because David didn't go from that anointing right to the palace. David went back to the field. There are some anointings in your life that have time on them that need, that need time to, in order for them to be fulfilled. God will anoint you at one point, but the fulfillment is way up here. The fulfillment is further along in time. So David was anointed to be king, but it was a prophetic anointing. It was anointing for the future, amen? And then he was anointed again as priest, an anointing of priest. And then the third time is what I read to you here where he's anointed to be king. And, and we know that the, the, the absolute best anointing or the fulfillment of anointing is an anointing that makes you a prophet, priest, and king, amen? That the Holy Ghost literally comes into your life and anoints your life. And when it anoints your life, it makes you you a prophet, priest, and king. Amen. It gives you the ability to speak prophetically. You can think you can take this tongue that has the power of life and death in it, and you can speak things into being. You can say, I'm gonna be a better person in Jesus' name. I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna get out of this habit. I'm not gonna be that person anymore. I'm not gonna do those things anymore. You can have a prophetic anointing. You can also have a priest anointing where you say, As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And though there may be some aspects in your home that seem to be going against that, you stand up and you have a priest anointing through the power of the Holy Ghost. And you also have a king's anointing, for we set with him in heavenly places. We are anointed to take authority over principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We have the right spiritually as kings, priests, and prophetic utterances in our anointing of the Holy Ghost. So first, with Samuel's anointing as David at Jesse's house, when he was anointed, the second was when he was anointed as a priest, and the third was he was anointed as a king. I'm so thankful for that anointing that I got on my life. I can't tell you where you might have felt God tugging on your heart, but I can tell you it was at a small church in Palmer, Alaska, and my mother played the keyboard, and it wasn't a keyboard like this one. It was, it was kind of like that piano, only it was one of those upright pianos. It was an acoustic upright, and she would play that piano, and she would, she would beat on that thing. <laughs> I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. You know, it was like one of those things. And I came down to that side, and I knelt down, and I remember a tear falling off my face and wetting the red carpet, and I could go to that space right now if we traveled there, and I can tell you where God called me to preach. But that was a prophetic anointing. I had to go through Bible college. I had to meet my wife. I had to learn some more things. I had to go through some learning, and I, I needed help from the Lord, amen? 
from the anointing that he gave me in that moment where I gave my life to God and I said, please use my life. He said, I will, but he had to build me into it. Amen. He builds our life, brothers and sisters. He's the one that constructs it. If we will humble ourselves to his mighty hand, he'll build us up into something we can never become on our own. Amen. And so that anointing is so important. David had skill sets. Yes, he did. David had capabilities. Yes, he did. But he invited God in to the moment. I don't know what your skill sets are. I don't know what qualifications you have in this room. I'm very thankful for every degree and every person that's educated. I believe you need to get a good education. Someone said amen. I believe that 100%. But I also know that if you get educated enough, you will lean on your education more than you will lean on God. And what you have to do is you have to force yourself, regardless of how established, regardless of how good you are at everything you do, you have to humble your mind and say, Lord, help me today. As I go into whatever, as I go into a a situation of planning, as I go into a meeting, as I go into surgery, as I go Go into some place. Lord, help me today, and God will be your help. I promise you he will. In your mind, if you have a strong mind and you have things that run through your mind and anxiety tends to build on a regular basis, you can shut that down just by saying, Lord, I know my mind is running after so many things, but would you help me to have the peace of God which guards my heart and mind? Would you help me in this moment to settle down the voices of my strong mind so that I can hear your voice say, you're my child. I'm going to take care of you. This is my home because you've invited me into it. I'm going to take care of your kids. I'm going to take care of your marriage. I'm going to take care of your future, and God can do that. Amen. I'm so thankful I know that David obeyed the voice of the Lord, and he asked him for help. The Bible says that he smote the Philistines, or his enemy, from Geba to Gezer. I did the study. You know how long that is? You know how long he beat them down? 12 miles he wore those jokers out. (laughs) 12 miles he's beating these dudes up. (laughs) And I'm like, well, praise God. (laughs) That gives me a picture that if the enemy comes against me, I can just wear him out for a while. You know, I can just beat up the enemy with my prayer and with my anointing and with what God has put in my life. He took on the enemy, but he didn't just take them on. He pushed them back. That's what I'm trying to say. He not only fought the battle that was in front of him, but he pushed them back 12 miles. He said, you might have come and presented, but I'm not going to just take you where you presented. I'm going to fight you and push you back out of my life, out of my region, out of my home, out of the places where you thought you could be. I come to preach today in the name of Jesus that you have victory in your prayer life. You have victory in the authority that God's put on your life and you don't have to settle for where the enemy has presented himself in your mind, in your anxiety, in your body. You can push back the enemy. Amen, somebody. So David burned their idols. Everybody say burned. He burned their gods, the idols that they had, because he knew if he didn't get them out of the land, they would end up in the homes in the land. And we are a people that have come out from darkness into his marvelous light. And we have to get idols out of our homes, brothers and sisters. 
It's not that the world doesn't have things that we could watch or entertain ourselves with at times, but it is a very real need for us to monitor what comes in and presents itself in our homes and in our lives, brothers and sisters. We are in the world, but we're not of this world. And so we have to understand we do not serve the gods of this world. We need to burn them out of our life, burn them out of our children's life. We need to take those idols and we need to cast them down. I know it's tight in here, but I'm telling you the truth. If you don't take them out of the land, they will end up in the houses of the land. David knew this and he burnt the idols of the gods that they were fighting. He took down the little god, little G gods in order to exalt and raise up the one true living Jehovah God. And so David has the same mentality that Joshua had in 24 and 15 where he said if it seem evil to you if it seem evil to you unto you serve the Lord choose you this day and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord choose you this day who you will serve everybody say serve Truth of the matter is, we are people that serve something. I can't make it any different. You're going to have a Lord of some kind. We're just made to have a God in our life. We have a God-sized hole, and we're made to serve. Some people love to serve more than others, but that is just usually a personality type. Choose you this day who you will serve because you're going to serve something. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He said, you're either going to serve the gods of your fathers or you're going to serve the gods of the land you live in. He said, but choose you this day. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, that's awfully arrogant. He took the whole decision on himself and he chose for his entire house. That's how it's supposed to be. Not only in me, not only my decision. Not, I have this at home and I have it on the wall and it's kind of a mantra. Some of these things I brought with me are kind of a mantra for me. It says, but as for me and my family, it changes the word. We will serve the Lord. I have this hanging. When I wake up, I see it. I know every day I'm going to serve the Lord, but I'm not just making this decision for myself. I'm making it for my whole family. But you have to understand that when she gets up every morning, my wife, she does the same thing. She chooses, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. She's choosing for herself. I'm choosing for me. We are choosing for us, and I hope my kids someday have the same thing, and I know they do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If we keep believing this and we keep making this decision, this decision perpetuates itself through everything that we do throughout the day. If you get up and say, my house is yours, my car's yours, my job's yours, everything belongs to you, Jesus. I don't own it. I manage it. You help me manage it better, and God will help you. Ask the Lord to help you, and he will be your help. Amen? You will serve something, and I want to serve the Lord in everything that I do. When I go on my job, I'm not serving my boss. I'm not serving a corporation. I'm not serving an establishment. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. Amen. I get up every day and say, as for me and my house, our service is unto the Lord. Can you help me preach today? Everything you serve should be done unto the Lord. 
Then I also have this one that Sister Lisi gave me when we were trans transitioning into this, what I call the rectangle room of revival. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. We, we got to paint that back wall. I'm thinking of just putting, having everybody write prayer requests on the back wall. And that way we can say it looks bad because we wrote on it. <laughs> but Lisi gave me this. She, she stuck it out where I would find it when we were um, transitioning, moving out of the office. It says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Again, I'm going to fall over if I try to read this and walk. Do not be afraid and or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Joshua 1 and 9. Be courageous every single morning. Get up and say, my courage is your courage, God. Put your courageousness in me. You know, the early church prayed to be brave. They, conquer, they conquered fear by praying, Lord, give us bravery. Amen. When they were witnessing. And this is something that I also look at every day. Be the dad you want them to remember. Don't be the dad you think they want. Be the dad you want them to remember and be the dad that has God in his life. Amen? So while I make that decision, everyone in our home has to make that decision. And though I lead that decision process, hopefully and prayerfully, God will allow my children to follow that same process and they learn to serve the Lord. If it be evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose this day who you will serve. Serve something, you will serve something. And so I want to serve the Lord. Somebody said amen. amen. And I'll tell you why. Because I've never had to prop him up. I've never had to stand him back up. When the Ark of the Covenant was ca captured by the Philistines, the same people that are fighting against David here, when it was captured by them, they put it in their temple, and their temple was to Dagon. Everybody say Dagon. And the next morning they came in, and the ark was sitting next to their statue of Dagon. But when they came in that morning, Dagon had fallen on his face. And, and they, they hurried in. They're like, well, this can't be. And so they prop their God. If you ever have to prop your God up, you've got the wrong God. <laughs> you don't have the right God if you have to lift him back up and make him look good to other people. No. So then they, they said, well, this, this can't be, and they propped Dagon back up. The next day they came in, Dagon had not only fallen, but had shattered his hands and broken up. And so what they, they did was like, well, this is not okay. We need to get this out of here. So they were, they were seeing that, that Dagon was a God that fell even before Jehovah. Amen. And I want to tell you that I have never, I have never had to pick God up once. I have never had to pick him up once, but he has picked me up a thousand times. He's picked me up 10,000 times. I need God. He doesn't need you to prop him up. He needs you to invite him in. That's all you have to do is invite him into your life, and he will take care of the rest. Somebody said amen. amen. Psalms, we know is a Psalms, in Psalms 127 through about Psalms 145, it's called the Songs of Ascent. The songs of going up, and they would sing them as they were headed up to Zion or Jerusalem. They would start on their trail and their journey, and they would make their way up through the mountain into Jerusalem. But there was robbers, and there were thieves along the way, so they would sing these songs to let 
the robbers know I'm not just by myself. I have a whole group of people with me, and I'm not just with a group of people, but I have a God who is Jehovah beside me. And if you think you can attack me and not have retaliation by my God, he is the one who brings me up. He is the one who helps me to ascend. And so they're singing these songs, and they say in Psalms 127 and 1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. They would sing this song to remind themselves that there is only one way to have home breakthroughs, and that is to have God build the house. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In other words, God is the agent that makes it all happen in your life. We have very strong wills, some of us, and we can will things into being. But I don't want to will anything into being that is not the will of God. Amen? Because you will struggle with troubles and trials from that thing if you will it into being and don't have the will of God for that. And if you pray first, God will direct you. Psalms 121 is a very powerful verse, and I want to just kind of start to move toward a closing in this. Psalms 121 and 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. I lift up my eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. This is a period at the end of this. Some scholars have said there should be a question mark there, but I do believe David knew who his help came from. And even though, even if it was a question, where does my help come from, he answers it in the following verse, and he gives the answer that God is his help. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord. And then he said, when he says, my help cometh from the Lord, that word Lord is Jehovah. It's Lord in all caps, which means the self-existent one, the one who spoke in the worlds came into existence. He's saying my help, not your help, not their help, but my help. It's a very personal thing. It's God saying you get help from the Lord, that's great. I will dance with you. I will celebrate with you. I'll, I'll sing and shout and dance about. But the thing that I celebrate most is that my God knows how to help me best. My God knows he is Jehovah and he actually is able to aid me better than anybody else can because he knows me better than anybody else does. That is what he's saying. He's saying, my help comes from the one who can give aid best. He is my God. And the word help here is a specific word that is ezer, or it said azer, which means to secure. My help, he's saying, the God who secures me, the God who keeps me, is the one who, who I call on, who helps me. He said, he will not suffer my foot or thy foot to be moved. He keepeth me. He that keepeth me does not slumber. So not your help, not their help. David's calling upon his help. Amen. And so whenever you need help from the Lord, when you look up and you don't see help from any place else, when you're asking in your heart, where's my help coming from? 
Know that your help is coming from Jehovah, the self-existent one who can help you because he's the I am, the one who is and was and is to come. He's sufficiently designing my help to specifically help me the best way that I can be helped. In other words, he knows how to give designer help. Hello, someone. You just walked into God's fitting shop, and he has tailored the help that he's given you specifically for everything you need and what's coming down the road. His help is not just for a moment. His help is for your home. His help is for your family. The breakthrough you get when you call on help for myself is you're calling on help for your home. Amen, somebody. You're calling on home breakthroughs as God breaks forth in your life, as we humble ourselves enough that you say, Lord, I need you in my home. Please be my predominant force in, our, in my life. Please be my predominant force in my family's life. Isaiah 41 and 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who, stay, who say to you, fear not. I am. There's the I am from Moses. I am the one who helps you. Amen. He says, fear not. What is it like to go to prayer and have God speak over your life? Fear not. To have Jehovah say in your prayer time, fear not to your spirit. I want that kind of God. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. Everybody say help. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Thank the Lord. Somebody say amen. Pastor, I haven't seen his powerful right hand lately. I've been struggling, and I'm going through some stuff. Well, I'm going to invite Job into the room right now, because Job says it like this in 23 and 9. He says, he works on the left hand in my weakness. He says, on the left hand, he said, I can't perceive him. I don't know where he's working. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. What is he saying? He's saying his right hand is authority and power and might and unending works. He can do mighty things with his right hand. But when you don't see him, when you're struggling or when you're going through circumstances, don't put your eyes on those things Lift your eyes to where your help comes from because he'll work on the left hand even in weakness. He'll use your weaknesses. He'll work all things together for good for them that love, to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. His right hand works in power, but his left hand works in weakness. If you are in a moment of weakness, maybe he's just working on the left hand for you today. But maybe you've also seen the power of his right hand in Psalms, David said, I sought the Lord, 34, 4, and 5. I sought Jehovah. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from what? Every one of them. Not just one of them, but every one that I will have, he will deliver me from. Every fear, those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. 
Oh, taste. Did you know this was before that statement? Oh, taste and see that Jehovah is good. Blessed, look at this. Blessed is the person. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, my goodness. He is a strong and mighty tower, brothers and sisters. We can take refuge in him. Amen. That's the God in my house. I don't know what, what you serve, and I know, I believe I'm in a house full of people that serve the same kind of God, the one who answers perfectly, amen, the one who does not sleep, the one who delivers me from all my fears, the one who works on the left hand in my weakness and shows up on the right hand in power. Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I put this God over my house? Why wouldn't I believe that he's a God who can break through in my home and in my family. He is a God of my home because there is no God like our God. Amen. Would you stand with me today? I hope I've encouraged your spirit and built your faith. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious. You can come ahead and singers, praise singers. Do not be anxious about anything. When anxiety overruns you, the scripture instructs you to not be anxious, and here's why. But in every situation, by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your request unto God. When you have strong anxiety, you need to do these steps. You need to pray. You need to petition God in the area where you're having anxiety. You need to be thankful unto him that he hears you, and he's going to answer in that place where you're worrying. And you also need to make your request known unto God and the peace of God. Everybody say peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, shall keep or guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I tell people a lot of times, like when I'm mentoring or when I'm teaching, that if you have something that you're worried about, if you will go through these steps, you will feel the peace of God come in. And God will often give you the answer that you need. Or he will say, my peace is with you. So if you need an answer from God, let the peace of God be your indicator as to whether you're moving in the right direction. If you pray about it and you can't get peace over it, then you should wait for any move. Do not take your next step until you find the peace of God in that situation because the Bible says that the peace of God is set up as a guard for you. It's guarding you from doing the wrong thing. It's guarding you from making the wrong step. So if you have a need or you have a situation, if you will petition God, if you will pray, if you will with thanksgiving present it to God, then you wait for the peace of God in that situation. And when the peace of God floods in, you know that's my guard right there. That's my help. That's my keeper. That's my protector. That's the one who set up a shield for me. And when the peace floods in, then you know I can take that step. 
and you can do that in your home as well. When you feel uneasy or when you feel things have come against you or your family, you just go to prayer. You just keep petitioning God. And it may not change the very moment that you prayed, but God will put peace in your heart for that situation. You'll feel the peace of God enter the room. I'm not talking about praying little thank you Jesus for this meal prayers. I'm talking about praying till you get out of your flesh and into your spirit. Praying until you're praying in the Holy Ghost and the peace of God will flood the room and you will have anxiety run out of the room because the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I want to build my home the right way. I want to build my home with education. Yes, I do. I want to build my home with, with, with excellence and with an ascension. I want my children to do better than I've done. But I lay all of that down at the feet of Jesus for him to do his best work in my home. Whatever God wants to do, this home is yours, Lord. Would you bow your heads with me and would you pray that prayer with me? This home is yours. Say, take my kids if you have them, for they are yours. You are Lord. Say that with me. You are Lord of it all. And now would you lift your hands and just make that prayer live right now in your own life. You're Lord of it all, Jesus. You're Lord of it all, Jesus. You're Lord of it all, Jesus, right now in this room. We give you our lives. We give you our homes. We give you everything. Be our azer, be our secure, be our aid, come to help us. Be the God who gives us breakthroughs in our homes and in our life. For you're the one who says, I've got you. I've got, he's got you today. Come on, lift your voice as they sing, as they sing right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, we need God to turn us into people who give all of our things, everything that we have to the Lord, that we surrender it all. In Jesus' name. of receiving from the Lord and sing it to him. I want to open the altar if you want to come. As we're singing this song, I want you to bring your family with you. If you're here and your family's around you, I want you to bring them with you. Make this prayer your family's prayer. You're my provider, Jesus. You're my help and my aid. You're my keeper, Lord Jesus. Just what we need before we say a word. You're good, good father. You're a good father, Jesus. Come on, bring your fancies. We're gonna pray over you today.
It's who I am.